why aren't more people talking about this? Why aren't more people doing something about this? You know, websites in general, about 98% of websites that are on the web is inaccessible. That's about 2% that disabled people can use. 2%. It's ridiculous. And it's just driven me and given me this real passion in providing, helping, serving, being an advocate. And it's not just for disabled people. You know, making your course accessible isn't just for disabled people. It's for fully able-bodied people as well. You know, somebody could have had an eye surgery, so they can't see as well at that moment when they take your course. Somebody could have broken their arm, so they're temporarily disabled, and now they need to use a keyboard, but your content isn't accessible. Welcome to Scale Your Course. If designing and delivering a scalable course has got you feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and just plain tapped out, you're not alone. I'm Tracy Sheriff, and in this podcast, you'll listen to a combination of solo episodes and powerhouse interviews, where we'll share tips, strategies, and insider insights into how you can successfully design and deliver a scalable course. Prepare to reach your next level business goals without compromising your health and wealth, the Scale Your Course podcast. Welcome to another episode of Scale Your Course. Today I interview someone who I just met, but I know I'm going to look forward to getting to know a lot better. Her name is Chantal Venter, and she's going to talk to us about how to ensure your course is accessible. Now, Chantal began her adventure with websites when she officially launched her first business in February 2020. Trying to do it all herself, like a lot of us do, she read blogs, watched YouTube videos, and played around with code until she could figure out how not to break things. Chantal says that feels like a lifetime ago, and the adventure has turned into an actual love affair. Now she's a freelance developer exclusively powered by WordPress and has yet to find a limitation in this magical piece of software. She also specializes in course creation and is a member of the Member Vault Preferred Partners. She is the owner, principal designer, and developer at Website Fay, a small agency that employs one so far with a couple of support fairies on the outside. I really love that support fairies. We all need those. In addition to creating WordPress websites, she also assists her clients with making their online courses accessible and offers one-on-one business coaching. Accessibility is Chantel's number one priority as she has personally been impacted by disabilities, some temporarily and others more permanently. And she talks about that in this episode. If you're wondering is my course accessible or how can I make my course accessible? This episode is for you. It's a toe in the water, really, because this topic, there's a lot we could have covered, but I really just wanted to get the conversation started. Welcome, Chantal, to Scale Your Course. I am thrilled to have you here today to talk about a topic that I think is not talked about in the online space nearly enough, and that's creating accessible content and in particular 
courses. And when I met with you online, just happenstance, we had a, a interaction inside of Member Vault Collaborative and I took a look at your website and I thought, wow, this, this lady is somebody I need to have on my podcast because this is a topic that, like I said, is really not talked about enough. So welcome to Scale Your Course. Hi, Tracy, and thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you about what I do, a bit of my story, and how accessibility can be an asset to any course creator. Why don't you just start with telling us a little bit about yourself, your business, who you serve, and how you got into this work? So a bit about myself. I accidentally fell into this. You know, generally, us as able-bodied people would think of, yes, you don't park in a disabled parking. Or, you know, you'll hold the door for somebody in a wheelchair. But we don't think about the online space, about emails, websites, documents, online courses. And we are losing these students, these colleagues, or other business people that we could possibly work with if we don't make our stuff accessible. For myself, you know, I've had some temporary, dis temporary disabilities and some permanent disabilities. You know, I was paralyzed for about 10 days where I couldn't feel anything from my hips down. It was really, really scary. It was, I was barely 21 when this happened and they couldn't find the issue. But just sitting there thinking, I will never walk again was scary. Luckily, it was just my body saying, you need a break, you know, time to shut down, take a break, and then we'll get you back up and running again. Uh, I also have epilepsy, which is another scary thing because you never know when it's going to happen. You know, you find one moment and the next you're not. My son has ADHD, and that affects so much in his life because it comes, he has additional challenges. He's got very sensitive ears. Uh, he's got issues with textures and I need to change the soap constantly because it's itchy. And so I get disabilities. I understand disabilities. And when I fell into the service by accident one day, coming across an article and thinking, why aren't more people talking about this? Why aren't more people doing something about this? You know, websites in general, about 98% of websites that are on the web is inaccessible. That's a 2% that disabled people can use. 2%. It's ridiculous. And it's just driven me and given me this real passion in providing, helping, serving, being an advocate. And it's not just for disabled people. You know, making your course accessible isn't just for disabled people. It's for fully able-bodied people as well. You know, 
somebody could have had an eye surgery. So they can't see as well at that moment when they take your course. Somebody could have broken their arm. So they're temporarily disabled. And now they need to use a keyboard. But your content isn't accessible. So this is very important to me. Um, and I'm hoping to just shed some light on it. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. I think this is so important. And like you, you know, my world is revolved around disability as well between my family, my nine to five working in developmental services with children. I had a stepfather who had a stroke at 50 and was quite debilitated and had to relearn a ton of skills and never fully recovered. So disability is also a big part of my own life and awareness. And I think a lot of us are touched by disability, but I'm not sure that we all fully understand what our responsibilities are to support those with disabilities, particularly hidden disabilities, which is where in education, I spend a lot of time thinking about the content that I create for my students because we have a responsibility as a professor in higher education to differentiate our content to meet the requirements of what is basically an IEP or an individual education plan that a college or university student would have. They may call it something different, but it, it is it is the same, meaning it would outline you know what they need and why they need it, um, but they don't disclose any personal information about someone. So if there's a specific diagnosis, we don't really know what the diagnosis is, but we do know what they what they need and what we're required by law to provide. So I know in the online space where lots of entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants and other subject matter experts are putting content together, there's nobody overseeing whether or not the content would meet a universal design standard and mm -hmm. universal design became super, I'm super passionate about universal design, but it takes, it does take extra time. It does take extra thought and intention and strategy. So, you know, for those are, that are already saying like, what the heck are you ladies talking about? Like I've never, I've never heard anyone talk about accessibility. I've never heard anybody talk about universal design what is it you're asking me to do now? Where, how would you describe what the responsibility of, of us as experts in the online space, what would you describe as our responsibility at a basic level when it comes to accessibility? So, you know, if we think about a restaurant, somewhere you need to go and have a meal. If you should break both your legs, you're going to be in a wheelchair and your family wants to take you out for a meal and you go to this great Italian restaurant and as you get to the door, there's like three steps. There's no ramp. So now, firstly, you, they need to pick you up and put you on the top of step. You've made a reservation at this restaurant. And you get to the lady and you're like, okay, we're here. You give your surname. And she takes you to your, your table. 
at, when you made the reservation, you said there's somebody in a wheelchair. You get to the table, and there's still all six chairs around the table. They haven't removed that chair already for you. So now you, as the person in the wheelchair, feel I'm not important. Firstly, I couldn't access it. I needed help to access it. Now they need to remove a chair, knowing I have a disability. And the same applies online. You know, yes, we might not know the student that's taking the course, but we can, we can already plan for that. There's some steps that you can take initially. You know, accessibility shouldn't be an afterthought. It should be something that is thought of from the get-go. These are the things that we want to build in automatically so that people can use it. And once again, not just for the person that is disabled, also for the person that is temporarily disabled. You know, when we look at online courses, for instance, you are very much driven by invisible disabilities. Yes, we have a visible disability of using the keyboard because they, they might miss a limb, you know, but we also have invisible disabilities where somebody could be deaf, somebody could be blind, they could possibly have a cognitive disability, so ADHD or dyslexia. How are you going to make it easy for them to consume that content in a way that they prefer to consume it? You know, me personally, I always, when I watch Netflix, I've got the subtitles on. Not that I can't hear. It's just sometimes the sound is too loud or and I can't hear the people speaking. But the subtitles help me to understand the content. And the same with an online course. If you have videos, you have to have subtitles as a minimum. You need to have subtitles. We would prefer that you have a transcript, but you know, if you don't have a transcript, the minimum is to have the subtitles. If, if we think of somebody that might be blind and you have written text and an infographic, do you have alt text or some caption? for that infographic so that the person who is blind and using a screen reader can understand what it is that you are trying to communicate. I had a conversation with a lady about two months ago and she enrolled in an online course. She is blind, so she had trouble initially getting into the platform and everything because it wasn't an accessible platform. And then she realized that all the content was inaccessible. They had PDF documents that was, um, wasn't made accessible. So if the screen reader reads it, it reads like a few lines and then it jumps down and then it jumps up again. So it was all out of context. And she reached out to the course creator and said, you know, I'm blind, I need help with this, can you make this accessible? And they said, oh, yes, we're looking at this. 
And she would follow up every two weeks and they would be, we'll get to it, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. And I think like three months down the line, she was like, you know, it's been three months. You've not even sent me one document that I can use. And I've paid for this course. They eventually decided, you know, they're going to refund her, her money. And they'll get to accessibility when they get to it, which isn't acceptable, which isn't acceptable. You know, they are not second-class citizens that should be shunned to the side. We are all equals. We should all have access to information. How difficult is it to just get someone to help you to make your course accessible? I hear you. A lot of my clients ask me about course platforms. So I did a little bit of a dive around who's talking about accessibility when it comes to the platforms themselves, even some of the more popular ones. And there were some that, you know, are, are touching on it, probably not enough, but at least have acknowledged it. And then there was one platform and I can't remember what made me email them, maybe something that was or wasn't on the website. But when I asked specifically in the email about accessibility, I was told this is not a priority for us. And I thought, wow, first, you don't even know who you're talking to. Right. So how how like to be bold enough to just say we have bigger priorities than this. I agree with you. It's just not acceptable. No. I'd like to think, though, a lot of people, even if they, well, there's always the unaware folk, right? That just, they just don't know because you don't know what you don't know. And then there are folk that are aware, but just they don't really know what is required or how to even go about doing it. And if you're not tech savvy, the idea of now, you know, maybe for some creating a PDF is actually a big, a big undertaking, but now we're asking them to create a PDF that is accessible so that a screen reader can read it and all the things, right? So, you know, and considering, I'm sure, you know, we haven't talked about it, but fonts and, and color and all those things that we need to be thinking about that go along with design. But sometimes I find if I'm really focused on accessibility, I have to choose the design that's le- less desirable for me in the moment because that font is not accessible. So therefore, I need to choose something else, even if I'm in love with the idea of using that font. So we, when it comes to prioritizing, we have to make a commitment to it, which might mean that we have to change our processes. We have to change our practices. So when people come to you and ask you about accessibility or get your support with accessibility, what mistakes do you see people making a lot? You talked a little bit about um, closed captioning, which I 100% like I also have closed captioning on. You talked about transcripts, which I, I'd like to circle back to later because there must be a best practice with transcripts and I've, I myself have done a little bit of research on that and I can't seem to get any consensus on what is the best way for a transcript to be presented. But what mistakes do you see people commonly making that are quick fixes, things that they could do that are not 
you know, there's always going to be things that are a bit more advanced, but for a beginner, where should they start? So Tracy, I've been having interviews with a couple of course platforms here in South Africa because I'm looking for a platform for one of my clients who's doing a course for intellectually disabled people. So obviously for that group of people, I have specific things that I have to have built in on the course platform. And you won't believe that the questions that I ask with the tips that I'll share with you now, that about 90% of them don't have these things built in. You know, I think I've done five now where one of them was able to tick all the boxes or at least give, get a half a point in some of the boxes. But the other four had like a list of things that weren't tickable. So easy things, easy things that you can think about is obviously having alt text on images. You know, so, or if you've got an image and you can't put alt text in, put a little description box underneath describing what is in the picture. Tell me if I can't see what the picture has and why it should be important. You know, if you're just going to be have a lady there sitting in front of a computer as a decorative image, I don't necessarily need to know about that. You know, so if it doesn't have value or context to the content, don't add it. But if it does add value to that content, you need to tell me what it is. When we look at videos, we have Captions and we have transcripts. So captions is what is on the video that you can read while watching it. While a transcript is the spoken word in a document that can be viewed or downloaded. It should preferably be in a PDF format, but in a PDF that is accessible. And it is so easy to make a document accessible. When you create it in a Word document, don't use the font sizer. Use the, um, like the H1, H2 tags, the styles that is up there that's available to you. When you use that, uh, the styles, it already helps make the document accessible because it gives it a hierarchy on the document. When we look at a normal course platform, when you lay out your content, don't just stick a bunch of text in there. Once again, use a hierarchy of, of tags, you know, your H1, your main heading tag, and some H2 and H3 tags. Break the text up. And please, never, never use justified text. Never. Because if you justify text, it spaces the, the text out. So it creates rivers. And if somebody has ADHD, they can't read it because they get lost in that white river. I've never liked the look of justified text myself personally, but I've never had anyone sort of share the context around, you know, for someone with ADHD, what that would look like. That's that's pretty interesting to me. 
another great tip is don't just use color. Don't just rely on color. You know, if you've got a link and you make the link green, but you've removed the underline, if somebody is red, green, colored line, they're not going to see it. They're not going to know it's a link. You know, it is universally accepted that a link has a line underneath. So even if your text is black and the link text is black, have a line because everyone can see it. Yes, it might not look so great on your website or on your course sales page or inside of your course. You might think it doesn't appeal to your, to your students or your audience, but it is universally accepted and it shows people where a link is. If you have a red, no, a green circle with a tick in, so this is correct, and then a, a red circle with a cross in saying this is incorrect. Once again, you're using color. I'm not going to see the color, but at least the tick will say this is right and the cross will say this is wrong. Ah, yes. Makes sense. You know, Give give some more information. Don't just use a color. We yes, you get red, green color blindness. You get blue, yellow color blindness. See, if we've got a blue background with yellow text over it, they might not see it. You get other people who have complete color blindness who only sees in black, white, and like a gray scale. Just be careful with the colors you choose. And like you mentioned, fonts. Don't use the curly handwritten fonts because not everybody can read cursive. It, you know, sometimes I even struggle to read cursive where the R look like an N or I just got confused with the letters. Use letters that, that, is, that you can see that is easy on the eye. So those are my easy tips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, that those are, you know, interesting, but simple things, you know, necessary, not interesting, necessary things, um, to do. But you're right. Sometimes we, we, um, prioritize design over function, right? Exactly. And, and I I've think got, that. Um, I'm busy with, sorry for that. I'm busy with a website now and the client has asked, they want a slider as their main, um, hero image on the home page. And, you know, sliders are inaccessible. Even though they, they look great, they are inaccessible. They also ask for justified text and I'm like, but it's inaccessible. So, yes, I understand that being accessible does sometimes affect the design. But if you, if you go at it, go at it in a way that, you know, you prioritize accessibility, you can make it look good. You can make it look good. But as soon as you put accessibility on the back end and it is an afterthought, that is when things start to look ugly. That is when you, you change out things that you're not happy with. 
if you put it in right in the beginning, the designer knows what, how to build it so that it looks nice. But if it's an afterthought, you're going to get a bad job. So would you recommend then that people, if they are having someone assist them with design of their graphics, their website, or, you know, they're creating their course platform, for an example, that you ask them what their knowledge and understanding is about accessibility before they get hiring someone? I would definitely say that we should put more focus on that. When you hire anybody, ask them, what? What do they know about accessibility? Do they have any knowledge at all? If they have a little bit of knowledge, great. They could always upskill on it. But the problem comes in with that person that feels that it's not important. You know, you do get designers that feel, you know, it's not important. We're not going to focus on that. And that's not right. Ask your designer, your graphic designer, your website designer, anybody that you work with, what is their knowledge about accessibility? And make it clear to them to prioritize accessibility. They need to keep it front of mind constantly while designing your website, your course, or your graphics. You know, Canva now allows that you Put alt text on graphics. Oh, it um, does. Oh, good to yes. know. All the social media platforms, except as of today, still um, threads. So everything else except threads can add alt text and images. So in Facebook, when you post, a, make a post on Facebook. You've got your text, you've got your image, you can click on the image and you can add alt text to that image. Oh, wow. I did not know that. I did not. And for someone who's aware, as aware as I am or profess to be, that's, uh, that's an important, uh, piece of information there. Thank you for, for bringing that up. You know, we tend to post on social media and we put a graphic there with important information. And we leave that information out of the description because it's on the image. But now somebody wants to go to your event or attend your event or, you know, buy your course. But the important stuff is in the image and it's hidden from them. It's little things, little things we can do just to help. It is our, it's everybody's social responsibility. What do you think about accessibility? Um, I don't, I don't know if it would be a disclaimer, but because you're not necessarily, uh, saying that you don't, I guess we'll call it an accessibility statement, right? So having a statement on your product that just says we are committed to creating content that is accessible. If you have any, you know, challenges with accessing any of the information on this website, please let us know. I, I personally think that I'm going to be start doing that because, you know, just like, you know, in the world that we're living in now where people are making statements around their positions on various different political um, issues or, or dare I not even refer to them as political, but just basic human rights type issues that people are really wanting people to know 
what they believe and and what their actions are as a result of what they believe, because it isn't enough to just say, I believe in inclusion or I believe in accessibility, but to actually demonstrate a commitment to it by taking it one step further and saying, please reach out to us and we're committed to working with you to make sure that you can access our content. Much like, you know, you use that story early on, which is really unfortunate that, you know, the person had to wait and then in the end didn't even get their get what they had paid for. Fortunately, it sounds like they got their money back, but that's not that's not helpful. That's not that's not helping them, you know, get their needs met. But I also would suggest that I'm thinking hopeful because I'm always like a glass half full person (laughs) that it was really just they didn't know how or what to do. And so um, it's really great that we have people like you who are wanting to raise this. Um, I see it in the education space. The education space, there are there are workshops and trainings for educators um, on all kinds of universal design and accessibility topics, inclusion, equity, diversity. Those are, are things that I know that I can access as an educator. But when we're in the online space in an, in more of a business capacity and we're out there sharing our knowledge and expertise, there's not, hasn't been a lot of people talking about this at all. So th- this is wonderful. So let's just move forward quickly to, or let's, let's just move forward to more advanced. So what would be a more advanced strategy that people could use or not strategy practice? <laughs> we'll use the right terminology. What would be a more advanced practice around accessibility that would really demonstrate beyond the basics someone's commitment? Would you be able to give us one or two of those? Yes. So you mentioned about the accessibility statement and now about the next step after that. And I'm going to combine the two kind of. So we try and hold ourselves to the WCAG 2.2 guidelines, which was released about a month, maybe two months ago. And it's just an upgrade of the 2.1 guidelines. And these are universally acceptable guidelines of things that need to be in place for any digital product. It has quite an extensive list. It is something that even some of the professionals struggle to understand at times because it just it is such a big document and has so many points in it. And for a general person who is just a course creator or a coach or a therapist trying to put stuff out into the universe, you know, it's going to be hard for them to understand the entire document. If it is hard for us to always understand the entire document, right? So what we do at Website Fay is we would audit your course or your website or your digital product. We would provide you with a list of these are the things that are issues that we've picked up and give you some advice on how to fix them. Or if you don't want to get your hands dirty yourself, you come to us and we fix it on your behalf. 
I definitely agree that you need to have an accessibility statement. And you use the right term because that is the word. It's called an accessibility statement. Like you have your terms and conditions and your privacy policy and your other disclaimer for making revenue, you should have an accessibility statement. But it shouldn't just be that, you know, we believe in accessibility and if you have an issue, please come and let us know. No, because you have not been proactive. You're telling me that you're, you know, you believe in accessibility, but you haven't done anything. So you need to say, we have tested it with tools X, Y, and Z, or we've had people with with X, Y, and Z disabilities test our stuff. And these were the findings, and we are in the process of remediating the site or the platform. It would even be better if you could put a date to that. Say, you know, we would like to have all our text in a readable font, an accessible font, by the 1st of September. And we would like to have all our alt text added by the 1st of December. So that when somebody comes to your platform or your website or your course or whatever, they can see these people are trying to make progress. And if I come across something that's not on the list, yes, then I'll reach out and say, I see you trying. This is what you need to add. So that's that's my two cents on it. You know, so yes, definitely have an accessibility statement, but you're going to have to get it tested before you get that accessibility statement. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in my mind, I was I was assuming by my suggested statement that yes, there that there would have already been some level of commitment to yes. doing it. And it was just like, if we've missed anything, let us know. <laughs> but I, I like what you've added here is the um, proof or evidence of by being really specific. Here's what we've done. Here's how we've tested it. We don't anticipate you to have any issues, but should you have reach out to us, I think definitely is an elevated statement. Um, so thank you for adding on to that because I think that that's really important. I have one client recently who I know has added an accessibility statement and, and one of the things that we, we worked together, um, in her member vault was looking for places where there, we might need to, to make some changes. So I don't profess to be and I'm, this is not my expertise as much as it is my passion. <laughs> so as a client of mine, she raised it to me as could we look at that? And I said, yeah, sure. We can look at that together. And I'm familiar with the checklist that you're referring to. It is very comprehensive yeah. and there's definitely a lot of jargon in there and developer speak that you might need some support with if you were to go there on your own. That's why there's fantastic people like yourself out in the world that are willing to help. So why don't we just talk about that? How do you help? You touched on it a little bit in general terms, but is there anything else you can tell us about your services and when someone should contact you? Because I think we've kind of touched on, we already know we want to start thinking about it sooner than later, but at what point would someone reach out to someone with your expertise for guidance? Unfortunately for us, 
But fortunately for the disabled community, lawsuits are becoming a big thing. You know, in America itself has like thousands of lawsuits every year because of inaccessible digital content. So you might be at this point a very small fish in a very big pond and you are constantly creating content and putting things out there. But you might wake up tomorrow and have gone viral and now you are a big fish in a small pond. So all eyes are on you and you've got this million pieces of content that needs to be made accessible. Then you got, it's going to cost you a lot of money to get it accessible, a lot of time to make it accessible. Where you could have just started from the beginning, everything you put out is already accessible, at least to some point. Because once you're that big fish, you never know when that wrong person is going to end up on your content and sue you. You know, this is not something that I like to share with people. I hate scaring people. This is like the very last point that I would ever share with people, with my clients, is that, you know, just audit your stuff and have it remediated because it closes that gap that you don't have to lose additional money that you might not have at this point. Uh, we do audits and offer a full comprehensive report with steps on how to fix it yourself or that you can give to your developer or creator to make the adjustments. Or we can help you with the remediation process. And this is on websites and online courses. And we do do documents as well from time to time. This is not something that we specialize in. But I've had some clients come to me and say, you know, I need this done. And we get it done for them. When it comes to social media, we don't do social media. But I would recommend... If your social media manager is not adding alt text, you need to speak to them or you have to change because social media is used by a lot of people and you don't want to be on the wrong side of the law there. I do have like a five-day accessibility challenge that we will share the link to on my website, which you can sign up to. It is five emails you get. And it gives you some steps and things to think about to make your stuff accessible. Um, it's easy to follow along. So, yes, that's what I do. Me and my team, my team of one, <laughs> and <laughs> some support varies. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. I love the idea of just taking the challenge and just sort of being able to rate yourself now. Where are you now? And maybe some of these things you have, when I say you, I mean the audience yes. listening to us today that people have thought about, but maybe they aren't, full, haven't been fully committed to doing it on all of their documents. And this can just become a best practice for them. Yes. And, you know, for those that weren't even aware of it, this topic is something that we could go deeper on, but I really wanted us to really just start with a toe in the water today, so not to overwhelm people too much, but to raise awareness. And there's lots of time, not time, 
really you've you've heightened for us the urgency, I think, <laughs> of prioritizing this. So, you know, we don't know how much time we have. But I guess what I want to say is the investment in the support to get you on track, much like recently I hired a bookkeeper and I'm looking at hiring or getting a consultation from a lawyer on a couple bits of my business. This is just one other way to make sure that you're in compliance and the cost of it doing that now probably is much less than the cost of being sued later. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think you'll get some people's wheels turning. Some people might have a little bit of a knot in their stomach right now because you said, you know, you don't like to scare people. But it's no different than any of the other compliance issues that online entrepreneurs face with the GDPR and all of those other things, yeah. copyright infringement and 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 things like that. So. I really appreciate you being here today. I will link your website in the show notes. I encourage everybody to check out the challenge. I'm going to check out the challenge and I know I'm going to be keeping in contact with Chantel as, you know, someone who assists people with course creation and, and also platform development from time to time. Um, it's always great to have a, uh, expert like Chantel. Uh, available to be able to do some consultation and some additional consulting when needed. Everybody's work varies in its complexities and how much content you have. So yeah, it might feel a little overwhelming. So reaching out to someone like yourself, I think is, is something that I highly would recommend. Thank you very much for having me. It was really lovely. And you know, this is really a passion of mine and something that I'm very interested in and that I love doing. I just want to make the world accessible to everybody. You know, we all have the right to information. And by not making that information available to people with disabilities, you are excluding about 15 to 20% of the population. And that is just people with a registered disability. That is not the people that have a temporary disability or who have not been diagnosed. So we could easily be looking at a 25% of everybody that's not being looked after. It's one in four people that takes your course could have a disability. That puts the numbers into perspective. It does. Absolutely. And it's in line with... You know, and, and and it shouldn't surprise me, and it probably really doesn't, but it is in line with what we see in higher education. You know, a class of 40 students, easily 10. I could have 10 individual plans of, you know, and, and because we're focused on creating courses now that are already accessible, that when a student comes, I all I need to say is, done like that's our you don't need to worry about that in this course because this is already available to you and there's going to be those situations where someone's disability may be a little bit additionally complex and maybe there is that extra layer but when we build it in and we don't think about it as a practice for one but a practice for all we create better content we create better experiences for people and we protect ourselves from you know, potential uh, litigation at, at, at a period of time, but definitely 10% uh, 
Um, you said one in four, so sorry, 20%, but, um, you know, 10 out of 40 students, it's, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. You know, your child could have, like I said, ADHD that my child has. You could have a child that's in a wheelchair. You could go blind because of age or start losing your hearing because of age. You could break your arm. You could dive into a swimming pool and break your neck and be paralyzed for the rest of your life. So it's like thinking of a ramp. Ramps were designed for people in wheelchairs. But if you are a mom, you use it for your baby stroller. If you slept bad last night, and your hip hurts, you use the ramp instead of the stairs. So, yes, we are trying to make things accessible for the disabled community, but it's making life easier for everybody. Because the person that prefers to read is going to read the transcript. But the person who prefers to listen will either listen to the audio version or watch the video. So it just makes it accessible to everyone to consume the content the, the way that they want to. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Chantel, for being Thank here. You. And I'm sure there's going to be another topic in this, <laughs> this space that you and I can dive into a little bit because I don't want to stop the conversation here. I, I also want us to be continuing to bring forward the reminders of these messages. So it's not just a one and done thing. It's an ongoing effort. And the more we learn about people and the more technology advances, there's going to be other things that we need to think about as we, you know, incorporate some different tools into our business. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me.